Addiction is a coping strategy to fulfill the needs coming from a place of pain that evolved to become identity. This is why it's difficult to let it go. But it can. Okay, it can. So to be free from the addiction or to let go of the addiction, we need to heal the source of our core fear and core needs that wasn't met. Welcome everyone. You are now in a safe place where we converse, explore, reflect, connect, and deep dive into our inner world together so we can uplift ourselves and our lives. My name is Astuti Marto Sudirjo. I am your host, and this is Uplift My Life Today, the podcast. In this episode, I am going to reflect the root causes of achievement addictions. And to support me doing that, I am joined by my good friend, Julie Growl. Enjoy! Stuti. Hi, Julie. Lovely to be here with you today, talking about achievement addiction. Yes. Now, I know this is a topic that you have covered in one of your earlier podcasts, but I think today we're going to delve a little bit more into why we become achievement addicts and uh, some of the things that we can do to get out of it. So for the benefit of the listeners, could you perhaps maybe just recap what achievement addiction is and what are some of the the traits or the symptoms of an achievement addict? Yes, very good starting point. So achievement addiction or achievement addict, the person who has achievement addiction, they usually exhibit a few behaviors. One is that they have this super intense commitment to achieving and growing So they're known to be people who take risks, ambitious, intense. They're energetically quite intense people. They're also very action-oriented. So that's one aspect of achievement addiction or achievement addict. They also often take the position of responsibility. So it's almost natural for them when there is a need for it to take responsibility, either to care for other people or to lead something, or to, yeah, basically to take charge. Mm. It's, it's almost like natural. And, and usually when you see them in a group, you will spot these people mm-hmm. quite easily. It sounds like you're talking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The other thing, uh, behaviors that they exhibit is they are very busy. They're busy bees. They like to be busy. They love to be busy. They feel guilty when they're not busy. It's almost like it's their natural state of being. And they often feel pressured or pressurized by time. They always question whether whether they have enough time to do what they need to do. Okay? So they're being stressed with and by time. They also find it difficult to to live in the now. Mm. Okay? They anticipate a lot. This is one of the behavior. So they always anticipate the future. They often spend a lot of time in the future. They don't really like to be in the past too much. Mm -hmm. Future is where they are. So definitely not in the present. And and because of that, they do not like to feel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. When you are in the present means that you are in your body and then you will feel what you're feeling. And achievement addicts don't don't like to feel too much they think it's very difficult to feel therefore they they live in their head not in their body mm. i don't know if that makes sense absolutely How, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i have one at home so <laughs> i know what you're talking about <laughs> it's either in the future or in the in the past and the area that they feel very very scared usually mm. is feeling vulnerable mm. but that's something that i think a lot of people are afraid of, right? Being vulnerable. I wouldn't necessarily say that's only limited to achievement addicts. correct. Correct. Have you found that 
perhaps they are more scared of that? Or no, I don't think they're more scared mm-hmm. about that. But the way they answer this fear is by doing a lot, living in the head, mm-hmm. and that's the unique signature of achievement addict. Mm. Okay, they're not hiding. They're not. These are you know some people when they are scared they they hide or they mm-hmm. move away. Um, or not wanting to come close to the subject. I think for a lot of achievement addicts, they they push themselves to be courageous, mm-hmm. you know, to because this is they it's a coping mechanism for mm-hmm. them to to actually actually not to feel the fear of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Okay. All this doing and yes, pushing themselves sounds like a very exhausting way it to is be. Exhausting. <laughs> it is and self care. It's not something natural, necessarily, for them. They also have this interesting um, belief about themselves, like, I'm so strong, nothing is going to happen to me, which is an overcompensation of a fear. You know, you know when, you, when you're kind of, like, scared, you either, like, succumb yourself to the fear, or you tell yourself, no, 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 the fear is not real, I'm super strong, and all this. And this is, like, an unhealthy overcompensation of, of the fear. So... Mm-hmm. They self-sacrifice thinking nothing is going to happen to you. But of course, they're just human like everybody else. Mm-hmm. If you are stretching yourself too thin for a long, long time and you're not able to be committing to yourself to take care of yourself, you're going to drop. Yeah. Completely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And one more thing that is, I think is very diff- very important to know whether you're a healthy achiever mm-hmm. or an ad- achievement addict is the period or the duration as to when you whether you can hold the joy of achieving mm. okay a healthy achiever they would be able to hold this joy of achieving being in the moment for way longer than achievement addicts achievement addicts cannot hold this joy for long they can feel it and then they go to the race the bar um, okay, so you overachieve you, again. So they're not necessarily celebrating no, or really enjoying that moment, but correct. already planning yes. or looking ahead yes. to the next, yes, the next, the thing. next achievements. Yes, okay. they, it's very difficult for them to stay in the present. So it's never enough. It's never enough. Yes, okay. actually, it's coming from a place. It's never enough. Right. I need to get more. 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 Achieve more. Grow more. This. Yeah. So the joy is there, but it doesn't stay long usually. Hmm. <laughs> That's why it's very tiring. Yeah. <laughs> now. These things, Julie, usually is not happening overnight. Mm-hmm. It's something that started on a smaller scale and then build up, build up, build up, and it becomes your identity. And then all of a sudden, you are that go-getter. There's nothing wrong about go-getting, but it is heavy and difficult when you are addicted yeah. to it. Yeah. How do we become addicted to, you know, becoming this achievement uh, go-getter or, or addict? I mean, what what causes people to become yeah. achievement addicts? <laughs> Very good question. It took me some years to understand this. What I would like to start with is just to talk a little bit about addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, because addiction on the principle and the fundamental level is the same for every kind of addiction, alcohol, Drugs, shoppings, um, extreme sports, whatever. Mm. There was something I take from 2020, a huge thing I took from 2020 is a deeper understanding about addiction. I had the opportunity to attend a four days retreat uh, about trauma that was run by Gabor Mate, mm-hmm. one of the experts in, in the field. And from there, I learned that in a very fundamental way addiction is an attempt made by somebody to fulfill a need that was created out of a series of fear okay Mm -hmm. so you experience something that triggers deep fear Mm -hmm. and usually the nature of deep fear is something that is quite dramatic or unexpected or making you feel like you contract it. You become less mm-hmm. than your whole self, basically. And so addiction is just a way 
for the person who has it mm-hmm. to fulfill the needs that was caused by or created by or triggered by this fear. Right. Okay? So it's a coping mechanism. Mm. Yeah? I think if we are looking at addiction from a judgmental point of view, it's easy to see it as a strategy to flee or run away. Yeah, because I think that's often how we yes. think about it, right? Yes. You know, this person is doesn't want to deal with yes. the pain, so they drink right. you know, right. in response. Yes. Coming out from this retreat, I'm able to see that it is actually a, a strategy to get what they wanted. And this is, and they choose something or something that they feel works for them, even though it's requiring requiring them to invest a lot. Okay? Even, or, if even though it might, be, har- yes, though it might be harming them. Correct, right. correct, correct. Yeah. And the reason why this happens is because they just couldn't see any other way. Mm. Okay? Mm. So... I think this is what I learned. And I was really... Because I was really a bit scared with mm-hmm. this word addiction. Even when I started to talk about it the year prior, mm. I wasn't comfortable yeah. with the word addiction. Yeah. And it was quite a journey to even say to myself, you were addicted to achievement. Mm. This is why you had the burnout. Thank yeah. God for the burnout that it stopped before it kills you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But I suppose with that lens, it's e- it, it becomes easier to be... A bit more compassionate, yes, isn't it? yes, um, for the person with the addiction that you realize it is, it's a coping mechanism. It's a Correct. way for somebody to deal with the pain, yes. in their life rather yes. than perhaps judging them for right what for the doing. actions. Yeah. Yes, I think this was the biggest, biggest learning is compassionately looking at this to speak about it with a more fair way. Because it's not fair to think that they're running away. Actually, they're trying to deal. And that's how they know. Mm-hmm. And depending on the kind of addiction that they have, yeah, some are much more harmful than others, mm-hmm. faster. Mm-hmm. But in in essence, the things that usually is called addiction, they're quite harmful, short or long term. Mm-hmm. They have a long, short or long term negative impact on one's well-being. In simply put, I think I see addiction as a way to leave the place or space within oneself that doesn't feel safe, mm-hmm. yeah? And to gain what one needs from something external mm-hmm. because it wasn't safe to be inside or mm-hmm. it wasn't comfortable or it wasn't... It's yeah. painful yeah. to be And when you say safety, place. are you talking about physical safety or emotional safety or... Yeah. What's the context? What is the context, yeah. yes. So for me, it's both. This is also what I learned from from the retreat, and I thought to myself, this it resonates a lot, and I could explain all of a sudden better why I was behaving the way I had um, that led to the burnout that I had in 2008. So Gabor Mate was saying that, and I love it. He says, safety is not because there's an absence of threat, but it is because there is a presence of connections, of bond. Sorry, say that. It's a presence of... Of connections or bonds. Okay. Okay. Human is actually tribal beings. Actually, Mm. everything on earth is tribal. Mm -hmm. Even plants, they have Mm -hmm. tribes. Animals. Do you know of any animals who is alone in this completely crazy world? I don't know if there is. The dolphins that go mm. in 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 groups, at least two, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but this is the design, mm-hmm. okay? So the things that brings you so much longer and further in the journey called life is connections, mm. because then you feel safe, okay? Now, safety could mean many different things. I I think it's there are three layers of safety: is physical, is emotional, it is spiritual. And all needs to be there, obviously, because if you're physically um, not safe, then you cannot thrive. Mm. <laughs> okay, mm. and um, and you can be physically the the possibility for you to be more safe is higher mm-hmm. when you have support system with you. Mm. And for human, the worst thing that you can do to punish someone is to cut them off. Yeah. Not an absence of safety, but uh, sorry, not an absence of threat, but a lack of connection. That's yes. I love that. So 
just thinking about now and you know what we're going through with COVID. Right. I mean, there's a for a lot of people, there's a huge lack of connection, right? Yes. You know, people alone at home. Yes. Or isolated. Yes. So, a lot of people then going by that definition, feeling unsafe. Yes, extremely, and it creates anxiety, panic mm. attack, and all these things. And even when, this is the other thing, even when you are in a relationship and there is something that had happened to you that makes you feel uncomfortable or not able to be fully vulnerable with other mm -hmm. people because you don't trust the people, you still can experience this anxiety, being yeah. completely alone. Yeah. Because there was... A disconnect. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about the number of marriages, I suppose right. that break down, right? Yes. You're not al alone, but you're still yes. alone. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, you're because, not alone, because but Because you, you yeah. don't have that emotional connection or right. that connection has broken down somehow. Yes, somehow. Yeah. Yes. So I think addiction is really coming from this. Mm. Uh, there, there is a place of pain and pain connected to, and this creates a feeling of unsafety. Mm. And this is also why it's, it's very difficult to be in your body, mm. <laughs> okay? Because then you're feeling a lot. Mm. And this is why a lot of people tend to live in the future or the past. Right. And for achievement addicts, we tend to be in the yeah. future, yeah. <laughs> anticipating. Yeah. And this is something I think is very, very important to understand. It's if you want to talk or if you want to understand addiction, you need to understand this when did you start to have this fear? Yeah. And or, lack of or lack of connection. And does it always have to be when you're, when you're young? Or can it also be when, when, you're, when you've grown up? That is a million dollar question, Julie. You know, over the years... I have learned from so many teachers, and one of the most recent teachers I've learned from is a gentleman called Mark Wallen. Mark is an expert, or one of the experts, in inherited family trauma healing. Through the course I had uh, with him, I learned that the disconnections, or in other words, the break in the bond or the break in the connections that many people experienced started very, very early. It could be in the womb, it could be in the early childhood before the age of 10, or this could even inherit it as a trauma response from our ancestors. I can, I can probably share a little bit about my story. And my connection with burnout. <laughs> the, the door that opens everything. I am the first child of an Indonesian parents. When I was born, my parents have been married for almost four years. And they both lived in the UK. So my father was in the process of completing his PhD in physics. And my mother was working at the time um, in the UK. They really wanted to have a child, but I don't believe they thought they were going to do it when they were in the UK. So as much as they loved each other, they've been married for you know this long. I think the pregnancy surprised them with joy, but also felt with grief uh, for my mother. She shared with me that as much as she loved the idea of being a mother at the time, it was also daunting for her because she did not have a family support as he went through it. My father was studying and working a lot and she had, of course, to stop working. And actually she loved uh, the time that um, she was working in the UK. It was a profound experience for them. Now, when I was born, there was a complications in the birth. So it was a very long delivery process. I think the water broke on March 17 at 1 a.m. And I was born around 7 p.m. on the 18th of March. Wow. You can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> because you have given birth. Oh, my. I haven't given birth, yeah. but I could imagine. Mm -hmm. I was there when my sister was giving birth, and I thought to myself, wow, okay. Mom was really... Uh, 
So it, it was quite exhausting for my mother. It was quite traumatizing for her, for me, and also for my father, because I had to be uh, vacuum out. Uh, my mother had epidural because she was completely exhausted and, and, and in pain. And at the time, my father could not be even in the room because there was an emergency situation. Because of the situation, immediately after the birth, they took me away to another room and I was separated from my mother for at least 12 hours. My mother was completely wiped out. She was very exhausted. When I asked her about my birth process, she did share that she wasn't even sure that she had the opportunity to breastfeed me until I saw her a day later. And this, I realized as I was healing uh, myself after the burnout, contribute a lot in a lot of the core fear that I have, Julie. And... Not only that, and I'm mentioning a little bit earlier about ancestral trauma, uh, my mother's father wrote an autobiography about him. And he also wrote a story around the time my mom was born. It was during the time of war. They just moved from another city because the, the other city where they lived was bombed. They didn't have anything with them. They were apart from two boxes of clothes. They didn't have money, they have to find um, a way to live. And in this city, this new city, my grandfather had to work three jobs at the time while studying. And my grandmother had to take care of her first daughter. And then my mother was on the way. So my grandfather wrote in his autobiography that as my mother arrived on this planet, he could hear the sounds of the sound of guns being fired from a distance, you can see it's not very safe. And this is the most interesting thing about this whole ancestral trauma response being passed down. One thing that I would like to mention is the egg that made me is already in my mother when she was conceived by my grandmother. So in my system, there is a trauma that my mother, if she had a trauma around the time when she was born or when she was conceived and being carried by her mother. And also there is a stress and a trauma response that my grandmother had during the time when she was carrying and conceiving my mother. In addition to this, I also learned that my grandmother experienced some miscarriages before my auntie was born. You could imagine when you had miscarriage, you are scared you're going to lose the baby every time you are pregnant. The tendency is that. So this in itself create or compounding or influence a lot of how I perceive the world even before I was born. And I think this experience impact the three of us. Mm. so profoundly my biggest issue in life and I only complete this grief with my mother die, died in 2017 literally last year mm -hmm. separation was a big deal for me mm. it's, it's like it's the biggest fear wow. people don't see that because I overcompensated yeah. with strategy with backup plans with all these things but being separated from life or my loved ones mm. is like the worst thing that could happen yeah. to me which it did because of that experience yeah so then um we went to indonesia a few like a year later i was um, almost one year old and when i was about four years old my father was in the car accident almost died wow okay mm -hmm. so the circumstances in the 70s in indonesia there was no mobile phone <laughs> there was very little number of even public telephone so he was in a car with, I think, three other people. He was not driving. He's one of the passenger. The car had a head-to-head -head collision with a motorcycle on a high speed. It was high-impact uh, accident. And the, the guy who drove the motorcycle died. The news coming to our hometown, which is because they're not even in our hometown, somebody died, but they didn't know who. Wow, it okay. must have been pretty yeah. stressful. Right, yeah. extremely stressful. For many, many hours, they didn't know who died. 
they didn't have a way to find out at the time timely. So the people from my dad's office came to my mom's house. There was me and my younger sister. My younger sister is very, very young, not even two years old at the time. And told her, your husband is in a car accident. Somebody died. And she was like, was it my husband? I don't know. But, you know, the idea mm. that her husband could could have been dead yeah. is, is quite high. Yeah. So that changed her. Mm. And the whole thing changed my father also in the way that they brushed so closely with death. My father was not dead, obviously, but it changed everything. Because since then, between the two of them, they started to start thinking, we need to make sure that our kids know how to take care of themselves if all of a sudden one of us or both of mm-hmm. us died. Yeah. And I was the first child. So since very, very young, they didn't mean harm. I think this is the other thing. I accept that it, they didn't mean harm, but they were really scared. Okay, they have their fear. Mm-hmm. And then start strategizing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Be a responsible person. Learn to take care of yourself. Be responsible Make sure your school is good mm. because then you can get a job. And then there's an additional message to me was, if something happened to me or to us, you are going to take care of your siblings. Mm-hmm. So, and I, didn't, I, I never have a recollection as to saying yes, but I, never, I also know that my body is saying, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that shape because mm-hmm. of the fear. Yeah. If they die yeah. of separations that I don't feel safe again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started, to, I started to unconsciously develop coping strategies. Mm. And when I look back into this behavior of achievement addiction and that little girl, so scared, for by the age of four, there was a number of times mm. <laughs> when she was like, is anyone here for me or not? And the idea of not having anybody there mm. and, the, and the idea that I have to take care of other people. Plus... Many, many years until my mom died, mm. my mom was having diabetic, diabetes for like 35 years. Mm-hmm. So growing up, the three of us, me and my two siblings, we, and also my father, her health was the, the center of our existence because we were, we don't want her to die. She, she didn't die until 2017. Mm-hmm. But since the 70s until 2017, we kind of rearranged the way we think mm-hmm. To be able to respond to her needs. Mm. First her and then second my dad. Yeah. So it's coming from a fear of be- being motherless. For yeah. me particularly, because I respond in quite different ways than my siblings did. Mm-hmm. This reaction is very strong because when I was born, I get separated from my mom for a long time. Mm-hmm. Long enough to be, you know, very, very nervous mm. about things. Yeah. So... So this for, this, for me, is the, the pain point of this behavior, addictive behaviors. Mm-hmm. This is one of the earliest memory of break in the bond or break in the connections that creates this feeling of unsafetiness. The most interesting thing about this, Julie, is when we have a break in the bond with our mothers, particularly... There are a number of coping strategies that we we do to find that connections back. But the reaction usually is that we are losing trust, either trust to love or trust to safety or trust towards the universe, life, God. And all of these are unconscious, okay? Mark Wallen taught us that there are four main ways that we tend to do when we have a break in the bond or a break of connections with our mother. Number one, we may shut down to our mother and we may not want to trust when she is near us. That's one reaction. The second is that we bond with our mother by taking care of her and by becoming the good or quiet or top performer child. This is a way of us pulling her into the present moment uh, because we need the bond with her. The third way is we desperately cling 
and never individuate from our mothers. And what that means or what that could look like is that we share her illness or stress, etc., to stay close to her. And the fourth way is that we get sick to get the care from others to replace the love that was missing from our mothers. It's, it's crazy, right? But it's all our unconscious strategy because it's super important that we feel connected, particularly with our mother. Right. Yeah. I hope it explains yeah. what I'm saying. Absolutely. So okay. it comes it comes from a comes from an original fear that's Yes. Yeah. Yes. Primal maybe is yeah. the word for it. Primal fear. Yeah, maybe core fear. Pr- yeah. Whatever. Primal fear yeah. or core fear that yeah. that is rooted from birth and yes, birth from, trauma. <laughs> yeah. And yes. then and then this incident that happened that yes. before. Yes. So then so this is the other thing which I want to say about trauma. Mm. Trauma is not exactly what happens to you. Trauma is what happens to you inside. Mm. Can you explain? That? Okay. So so people see people mistaken trauma. So for example, they so we the, always think trauma. Well, this this incident yes. sounds like it, I mean, yes. it was a traumatizing incident. Yes. yes. But if you if if for example, your inner self is intact even after this you're not traumatized mm. you're just experiencing an accident a, tra- uh, a quite life-changing accident so you are not traumatized if your inner self is intact right okay in this case nobody's intact after this my mother was not even in accident she was not intact yeah it was the idea of my dad died that gets her and when you say your inner self is intact contracted okay it becomes smaller Right. Yeah. So you you become less of who you are. Okay. So you're less able. To, is it you're less able to cope with things, or yeah. or you feel like you become powerless, you become okay. helpless, you become fearful. Right. Yeah. Okay. So because my mother didn't have the accident. Mm. Right. Yeah. My dad did. Yeah. But both of them are have heavily impacted by this. So the trauma itself is not the accident. Yeah. The trauma itself is what happens in you. Okay, so it's it's the response rather than yes. the the event. The event itself. itself. Correct. So when when you respond in a way that makes you less than what you were before. Yes. Is what that's I what hear you say. Yes. Right. This is why bullying is traumatizing. For kids who are like, it's not true what they're saying about my nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, or my hair, or my yeah. freckles. They're not traumatized. But for people who feeling contracted or feeling bad yeah by somebody saying you have an ugly tooth yeah or crooked whatever yeah and then you think then the then the boy or the girl thinks oh i, I must be really ugly or yes, i'm correct. really yeah look terrible or correct. whatever so yeah. the event doesn't have to be so dramatic mm. it could be somebody saying something to you right yeah right this can be traumatizing yeah. if your inner self is responding in contracting way, making yeah. yourself less than before. Right. So going back to what, as you were just saying, people are saying, so that kind of brings to mind, for me anyway, like sometimes parents, you know, scold their children <laughs> or you say something to them and they then they take it to heart. And, yes. Or, or I think for some of us may have also experienced repeated... Um, sayings or you know expressions from hearing things from our parents them telling us you're not good why are you so stupid exactly or why are you doing this that's yeah. silly or whatever it yeah. is yeah. yeah yeah this this mm. believe it or not creates more than da- a lot more damage than the one-off big things like accident really yeah because it's a repetitive and and people don't realize that words cut yeah they don't realize, also parents don't realize how much they mean for their kids. Mm. I think mother particularly. Mm-hmm. For example, if you think of the time when we were in the womb, the source of safety is our mother's womb. Yeah. The source of nourishment is our mother's womb. The source of love is our mother's womb. I mean, the dad is contributing something, but it's a completely different dynamic. Yeah. Right? And the source of energy is our mother's womb. Mm. So... Life. Mother is life. Yeah, right. And this is why, by the way, in Islamic religion, we say the heaven is under our mother's feet. Mm. 
when I'm learning all these things, I understand exactly now why. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were told that this is the case, and we accept that this is true. Mm-hmm. But as a therapist, I could hear now. I could understand mm-hmm. why that is because, yeah, I mean, life itself. Yeah, is well, life, was, life comes from comes mother, from mother, right? right. Yes. With the sperm from dad, of yes. course. Yes. Yeah. So with mother, mother children relationship is so strong mm. and is so complicated at the same time and this is also why it's important to always support people who are pregnant this mm. is my conclusion right <laughs> it's not just the responsibility of the person who is pregnant you know talking about how the importance of this bond is because lack of you know lack connection. of this bond or this mm-hmm. connection then creates uh Fear, insecurity, yes. yeah, insecurity, or um, and what happens then if the environment around the mother is perhaps less than ideal? Mm-hmm. That also causes yes some kind of stress, right? It. The point is this: when our mother is stressed out mm. during pregnancy, we are stressed out inside, right? And not only that, Julie, the egg that made us mm. is already in our mother's already within our mothers when she was conceived by her mother. So the stress of my grandmother. So your grandmother's stress. Right, exactly. Okay. Okay. Your grandmother's stress can impact you as yes, well. Yes, correct. Right. And there are studies over this, mm. actually. In the more, in, Recently, they're doing it on mass of three generations, but there's a, a scientist called Rachel Yehuda. She's a professor of psychiatry and neuroscience. Mm-hmm in, I think, University of Mount Sinai. And she has, she's really one of the pioneers in intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. She's an expert in trauma, PTSD particularly. And she found a lot of evidence observing the Jewish survivor. So if one of your parents experienced a PTSD, mm-hmm. one to three generations after are much more prone to have PTSD, mm. even when there is no obvious trauma. It's just wow. there. And so everybody should actually Google her, Rachel Yehuda. She mm. is writing a lot. And this is basically mm. wow. impacting so, us. <laughs> so stress or things that have happened to our, par- our grand- parents or, gr- grandparents or, or great-grandparents, yeah. you know, can impact us. Yes. You know, several generations later. Right. So everything um, that impacts us, yeah, unless we are healing this, yeah, will go to the next generation. So we're all in some way traumatized. Yes, I think yes, we are. Yes, and twenty twenty, yes, is in my mind is a culmination of a lot of trauma. Yeah, yeah with with uh, George Floyd, with how we are responding to this. Yeah. COVID-19, the, the mental health and everything. I think it's not an isolated thing. It's just what I think is also touching mm. the trauma responses that was not yet changed or shifted into wisdom yeah. or into healing that yeah. came from also from our yeah. ancestors. <laughs> What can we do you know, if, you know, w- with all of this? I mean, we are, you know, become sort of addicts because of this lack of safety, the lack of connection, because of fears, the beliefs that we have Yeah. Um, as a result of some of these uh, fears. Now what? Now what do I? Yeah. So I'm addicted to achievement or I'm addicted to alcohol or whatever it is. Yeah. The, the most interesting about this question, Julie, mm. is because I have had burnout, automatically I'm thinking people will not want to be an achievement addict anymore. Mm. But that's not necessarily be true. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because some people will want to keep this identity. They will not name themselves as achievement addict, mm. but they will want to be to keep that identity that I'm a go-getter, I'm a super achiever, Etc. Etc. So, why do you think that is? Because, because it be, it had become their identity. Mm. 
the coping strategy becomes an identity, which mm. is which is why it's a lot of people say identity is an ego stuff, etc., etc. It's actually I don't know if it's ego, but I know for sure it's coming from pain mm. or fear. So you almost you don't know anything else. Is yes, that what you're saying, correct, right, correct. Okay, and it's very important to understand before going into any journey of shifting or letting go of this achievement addiction that you have you are able to commit to yourself that I can show up differently and this is quite scary for a lot of people mm-hmm. okay because I, I remember the fear of like oh my god if I don't achieve will my friends like me which is crazy mm-hmm. because I don't think they're friends with me because I'm achieving a lot mm-hmm. if if I don't achieve very well, will mm. my father or my extended family accept me because you have been like mm. this for a long time? Again, there's this disconnection, mm. your fear of disconnection, you know? Yeah. But it, it has come as a cause. I, I think burnout is very good for me because it's a very profound lesson. Without that, I think I would probably just keep on going mm. with my unknown addiction to yeah. achievement. Because... Yeah. Our society, it it's it feeds this yeah. addiction. Achievement, it's a good achievement. It's a good, it's a good addiction. True. I mean, we right? always sort of were taught to strive for right. for goals and yes. right. Yes, you go to go to university, go bigger, go, or go on, home, exactly, Julie. go get a good job and right. buy a house and all these things, right? Yes. Yeah. And then promote your get promotion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get a raise. How much you're making? All these things. So it's being fed. Uh, by the societal expectations, mm. right? But I don't, and, and this is my personal opinion, the addiction does not come from the society. It came earlier. Right, yeah. As I mentioned yeah, to you. Yeah. It, it came earlier. Yeah. The, it came when, in my case, it came yeah. when I was coming out here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. coming from yeah. a time where my grandmother was giving birth to my yeah. mother in the yeah. middle of a war. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so your your... <laughs> Addiction comes from your fear of separation, yes, and not from society. From no. society, what I, you're saying? Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. think there's a deeper. I think it this this societal expectation feeds it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It does not help it. Yeah. But I don't believe it's creating it. Yeah. But that's my opinion. Yeah. So is it important to then understand what yeah. that fear is? Or yes, yeah, and that's the first we, step. Yeah, how yes. do we? What do we do? How do yeah. we? How go we go about, and find out about this? Yeah. Okay. So if and I hope some of the listeners don't have to experience burnout to get into this point, we need to ask ourselves, what is the core fear? Mm-hmm. And and I asked this to a number of my clients, and they were like, what? I don't know. Okay, so let's figure this out. Because if we have unhealthy behaviors, there's a fear. Period. Punct. Basta. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's all love, we don't have this self-sabotaging or unhealthy behaviors. We are Mm -hmm. much more balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's important to find out what is the core fear. And core fear is usually is quite invisible, but it's there. And one of the easiest way to actually get access to this fear is to ask the following question. Okay, let's take note. Yes. (laughs) If your life suddenly falls apart, what's the worst fear that you have about it? Mm. Okay. For a lot of people, COVID breaks every part of their life. Mm -hmm. For some just a fraction of their lives. So if this impacts you, just think about this COVID mm. situation. <laughs> it does not need to be COVID, but it can be. And said, what is your worst fear about it? Mm. And where to answer this, not going into your head, but going into your heart. Because fear, emotions, joy, they're all down there, not mm-hmm. in your head. Mm. It, and the answer to this is not, it can usually are not logical, mm-hmm. but it's there. So what's the worst thing that could happen to you mm-hmm. in when your life is falling apart? And very often, this fear is a kind of familiar feeling. 
Okay. Okay, that you have had many, many years. If you have children, answer this question before you have children. Okay. Yeah? Because all parents were like, what is the first What what will happen to my children? This is always... Ah, okay. But it, understandably, because you have a responsibility and there's lives that you are kind of attached to, but answer it before. Right. So it's about what? What, what you your fear as opposed yes. to your fear for your children. Right. 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 Okay. Correct. Yeah. Right. So what's the worst thing that could happen to yes. you? Yes. Yes. If, if things fell apart. And okay. answer this again question like on multiple times. Like, for example, if, if, I, if I ask my younger self, if your life falls apart, mm-hmm. this is when I was working just shortly before the burnout, what, will, what is the worst thing that could happen to you? I would say... I'm fearful that I'm going to be an embarrassment okay. for my family. Mm-hmm. Sounds very logical. Yeah, sounds very logical. Very logical fears, yeah. And then going deeper, what is the worst thing about the first answer? What is the worst thing about being an embarrassment? Okay, right. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that my family is also become, will be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. What is the worst thing about that? Okay, so you keep drilling yes, down into yes. into the the answer. So, okay. what is what is the worst thing about making my family embarrassed? Mm-hmm. Then we all will be looked down by our mm-hmm. extended family. What is the worst thing about that? Okay, what is the worst thing about that? And in my story, yeah. <laughs> my narrative is that I'm going to die alone on the street. Wow. Okay, that was my biggest fear. Which is, as you said, not necessarily a logical fear, is it? No. Correct. Correct. Right. And then you will see with that light Mm -hmm. is that try to connect it with your behavior. Mm. Because I think part of the healing, Julie, is really to understand Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. Is to rise up all these invisible things that is in your system into the surface. So then you can choose Mm. what to do with them. You cannot let go something you don't know you have. Absolutely. The first step is awareness, isn't it? Yes. So so for me, just go into the fear. Like, what is your core fear? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. And and keep on drilling until you couldn't go down anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, this is it. This okay. is what I can come up with. Right. Okay, and so once you have that, yes. once you know that, yes. then what do you then what do you do? For me, because it was quite intense and because I already had the burnout, I get help. Mm, okay. Okay, yes. because my body is carrying the fear. Mm-hmm. There's tension in my body every time. So I had to understand, because my mind is also logical, explanation as to why do I have this. Mm-hmm. So I have a facilitator to help me. Yeah. So then I can see how the separation with my mother when I was born play out in this fear of separation, going to be dying outside on, my, on your own, is, is in the same kind of line, red line with that this super fear of separation. I could even see my psoriasis. I had psoriasis mm-hmm. for many, many years. Is connected to that fear of separation. The wow. body is so freaking stressed out. Right. In my case, I had to let go of a lot of these emotions that is living in mm-hmm. my body and actually imbalancing my system, my mm-hmm. energetical system. So as I was doing a lot of healing in relation to separations, that was triggered by the achievement addiction. <laughs> the, the psoriasis dissipated 98%. Wow. When it comes now, it comes very little, but it, it tells me something. It's mm-hmm. basically the skin saying, you're not balanced. Mm-hmm. So you're you're quite acid in your body. So then you, immediately I said, okay, so spiritually, what, did, what do I need to do? Physically, what do I need to do? And emotionally, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. So it never goes out of hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you have an interest mm-hmm. to actually learn about this, learn learn about the dif- the different modalities on how to repair bond, the inner child healing. A lot of people are saying mm-hmm. about this, yeah. and also doing a lot of ancestral healing. <laughs> this is a big a big learning. Is this something that you help people with? How yes. do you? How does one do ancestral? You know get ancestral healing or yes i think you know um 
although this is not always 100% possible, especially because if you are adopted, right? Yeah. I think connection, Julie, mm. that creates the safety feelings is also connecting with your ancestors, mm-hmm. the story of your ancestors, okay? We, of, we often think that every generation is an a separate generation mm-hmm. is not true because now we know Rachel Yehuda was saying it's all yeah. you know coming down and it's coming down for a good reason yeah. a lot of my clients were asking why are these being inherited yeah what is it is it to punish the next generation mm-hmm. why can't? it's not I think the intention was really to make every generation better than before mm. therefore the collective strength the collective resilience and the collective wisdom is being passed on but it's you know but it also comes with other things that okay. are not processed. So you, you, you can't just have the good. You <laughs> right, also need exactly. to... It comes with the, some bad yes, as well. Right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so our, our role, every mm-hmm. generation, is to make this inherited trauma or trauma responses less. Mm. Okay? So the next generation doesn't have to deal with as much. Mm-hmm. But we are not... It's not something we're taught. I think ancient cultures do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I think my culture is actually understanding this yeah. but it had not become a popular thing lately mm. <laughs> okay so we are we have a different kind of concept of life mm-hmm. where it's all the sums of its part which mm-hmm. not yeah. it's not you are never disconnected yeah actually so so from this perspective i think connection which is the source of safety mm-hmm. also mm. comes with connection with you and in you there are many different ancestors Mm. you can access Mm -hmm. you can tap into the wisdom the strengths the resilience of your ancestors but also at the same time you need to help to declutter Mm -hmm. so the things that didn't belong to you 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 can let go Mm. but you need to figure out which one Mm -hmm. so to answer your question what can we do about this Mm -hmm. speak to your family Mm. when you still have the time understand their story and understand as much as possible what is what was traumatizing them, what was being kept a secret, what mm-hmm. was the mistake that people didn't like to talk about but did happen. Mm. Because this will come out anyways in the gen- the, the current generations, mm-hmm. one way or another. So it's to, to ask questions, to understand. Yeah. And what if your parents have died or if you're <coughs> adopted or, if, yeah, you don't know any, your parents don't know any history of their Ancestors. Ancestors, yes. Your body has this information anyways. Okay. Okay. So work with a practitioner um, who has a process to access that information in your body. Mm-hmm. Your body keeps all the score. Mm. <laughs> so, and when we are doing healing, what it literally means yeah. is letting go the stuck emotions, the yeah. stuck energy that is sticking in your in the, body. Yeah, this body cell memory. Yes, right? the body yeah. cells memory. Exactly. Right. That's what it is. And and because we are hum- we are human being, we have conscious mind and unconscious mind. When we understand what happened, we accept it easier and we let it go easier. Mm. But if you don't have that information, we just access the memory in the cells and breathe it out. Mm-hmm. Clear it out. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's working, essentially, it's working with a form of energy mm-hmm. because it's information. Yeah. Information that has certain vibration. If your body is all energetics, it should be vibrant. Vibrant is high mm-hmm. vibration mm-hmm. energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you have illnesses and you have stiffness, yes, on the physical body, mm-hmm. there is a, the muscles are contracting, whatever, mm-hmm. but also connected to the muscles, there's mm-hmm. stuck energy. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the information, don't worry. There are ways to access this, mm. and there is a way to process this even without the story. We don't need actually the story. Mm. So for some people, they don't even need to know why. It's just get it out. I'm ready mm-hmm. to let it go because it doesn't help me. For some, it's more important. So if you have the information, mm. great. If you still have family, take time to get mm-hmm. to know your family. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, you I've experience been, something. I've been asking my my mother a lot about. Um, our family history and it's and it's so fascinating to find out and uh, gives me a new understanding and appreciation of what my 
ancestors have, mm. have been through, actually. It's yes. really quite... Um, quite powerful quite can you see also some of your strengths with their strengths in a way um i think so yes i mean i haven't sort of thought so much about it but i think probably you know being resilient um mm. you know i like to think i'm quite resilient i think you are resilient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're Thank very you. resilient <laughs> and, and i think that certainly comes from my grandparents you know mm-hmm. um understanding what they've been through mm-hmm. um i think that's something that i've inherited from them yes i, I hope so anyway so uh yeah and have you noticed something that had been a burden for you or something that is not uplifting for you coming resembling something from them um um there have been yes there have been some 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 fears or some, yeah, some issues that uh, I've had that now then understanding the family history, I've been able to say, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. I think that probably came from my grandmother. Mm -hmm. You know, she, I think, probably had those very same or similar feel. or I can imagine she might have had very similar feelings as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually knowing that, is quite nice. It also makes you feel like you're not Connected. alone. Exactly. Right. Like, oh, I'm not. Yes. I'm not the only one going through this. Yes. Yes. I right. think. I exactly. I think that's that's what I didn't expect. Also. Yeah. I, I I found this as a an uplifting side of this whole ancestral healing journey is that all of a sudden you feel connected. Mm. Yeah. You didn't know before, and then yeah. you ask you like, oh my god, and you can connect compassionately to the people before you absolutely and then all of a sudden you feel connected and this is what fuel your life yeah this connection because it creates a feeling of safety you're Uh, not alone even when these people are dead yes absolutely just having that connection connection to and your ancestor is somehow as you say uplifting or quite sort of warming yes yeah it's warming Definitely. And I think on the spiritual connection, of course, connecting some people, not all, but a lot of people is connecting to God mm-hmm. and all this. And this is also makes you feel safe because mm-hmm. you can trust life. Mm-hmm. In my achievement addiction symptoms, this anticipating, mm-hmm. you know, the habit of anticipating the future was because I was not feeling I was connected. I understand the idea of God but I wasn't trusting it mm-hmm. until a certain moment where oh my God I didn't realize I didn't trust God mm-hmm. or God was a being that punish mm-hmm. of course you're scared mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because yeah. that was also how I was being raised yeah um, if you don't do this God will punish you if you don't mm-hmm. do this God will punish you mm-hmm. it's difficult to have relationship with somebody you're scared of. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't connect so much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The feeling of safety for me was as soon as I can connect to so many different levels. Yeah. To my own body. When I move from the shame and the guilt, this mm-hmm. is the other thing. Shame and guilt feed addiction. Mm. Okay? Wow. Shame yes. is I'm not enough or I'm not something enough. Mm-hmm. Guilt is there's something wrong with what I do. Mm, okay. okay, it's guilt is connected to what you do. Yeah. Shame is connected to who you are. Shame particularly feeds addiction. Okay. Okay. So this is why it was a core f- it was scary. Mm. <laughs> because you remember, mm-hmm. I my, then I would be ashamed and then my family will be ashamed. Yeah. This was yes. really for that I'm not going to let this you know, desire to achieve because I'm not going to go there yeah. because that's the worst thing I could, anyone could be. Then you expose yourself yes, to, to be not, to be not enough or not good. Yeah. Right. Basically. Yeah. Right. So shame and, and, and guilt, they, they feed the addiction. This is why compassion is a very important in, ingredient to move away or to let go of any mm-hmm. addiction. And this is why we are doing this talk. Mm. 
to, yeah. to be able to, to create another way to look at addiction. Mm. Much more compassionate way to look at addiction. Yeah, yeah. As you said, as we said right at the beginning, yeah. it's a way to, to cope with what you... Yes. What you were you missing. Need, yeah. yeah. You yeah. need that. It was difficult to get. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You were asking about what to do if you want to let go. Mm-hmm. So one, the first thing is to understand your core fear. The other thing mm-hmm. is, the other thing which is very important is to allow yourself or give yourself the permission to think of a different way to be, to create a new identity. Okay. Okay. And this identity needs to come from a place of love, mm-hmm. not fear-driven. Mm-hmm. Okay. In my case, Julie, I had to allow myself the possibility to to be different, to show up different in my life. So, for example, up to the time of burnout, it was really only work focus, achievement focus, and now more balance between relationship, quality of relationship with my loved ones mm-hmm. and work. Mm. Okay, and at the time when I started to create this. I didn't really have the strategy on how to do that. <laughs> but the first thing is to allow myself to say to myself, there is another way, even when I still have the fear mm. that I may create shame in my mm-hmm. family. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because this new identity will not come overnight. Yeah. We need to build it up. Yeah. But right? it's about having the courage to Correct. take that step, right? Yes. yes. And not everyone is necessarily willing to Correct. go there. Correct. Yeah. Because, you know, I took on the responsibility of the savior, okay? That was the thing that I do. This is why I thrive in crisis situations, Mm -hmm. okay? So, it's to let go Mm. or redefine what responsibility looks like. Mm -hmm. I like to be responsible. I think it's a good thing, Mm -hmm. but I change the definition, how that looks like. Yeah, you don't have to be responsible for everything. (laughs) Right. Right. But on some things, I have more space for other things, so... I don't have to rush all the time because I'm running out of time, running out of energy. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm I'm low in energy, I cannot enjoy my time with my friends or my mm. family or anybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So it's not about not being responsible, but I think mm. how how do how does that look like now? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the modified version of that? Right. Yeah. And I think when you think it like this, it's less scary. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people say, but I don't want not to be so it a go-getter. Have to be all or nothing, right? Okay, exactly. Right. And yeah. I said, who says about you cannot be a go-getter? That's right. not about that. I yeah. think it's about what is the new way of go-getting. Right. Yeah, you can still achieve, <laughs> yes. but you don't have to. Yes, you don't sacrifice have to yourself. sacrifice everything yes. Yes. at the altar of yes. achievement. Yes, yeah. because yeah. achievement addiction. This is why it's, it's important to talk about this. It's one of the things that people don't immediately see mm-hmm. because it is actually creating good things. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Compared to achievement uh, addiction to drugs or shopping, where you just spend spend money, or porn or something. Yeah. Achievement addiction is a good. It it looks good, right? Because you become an overachiever. But the thing is, if you go really deep into this situation, if you cannot be present, how can you be good in your relationship with your children? Yes. How can you be present for your relationship with your friends, your family, your parents, whoever, how can you be even present to yourself? There's a lot of damages that people don't see because it doesn't look that bad and because it is not being screened or being looked at carefully by the societal expectations. Yeah, Yeah. it's not like you're... There's no overt damage in that sense. Correct. Right? Yes. Not Not like alcohol abuse. Right. But you create, um, you know... You create emo- an emotional lack, perhaps, right. or yes. yeah, uh, maybe a feeling in your kids that somehow you were never there for them, right. or whatever, which right. then create they... problems in exactly yeah for the next generation. Yes, yeah. You see, it's 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 a this is why it's so tricky because it's like what is even achievement addiction, and mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't look so bad from the outside. It yeah. doesn't until you go in. Yeah. then you see. True. Well, I guess an excess of everything is mm-hmm. is bad, right? You're you right. know. You could say also, you know, alcohol, if you have a glass, it's fine. But if you have a whole bottle, yes. it's not. Three bottles right? in a yeah, night. Exactly. Yes. So I guess same thing with achievement, right? To achieve is not a bad thing. But if you do it to 
excess, yes, it's can be detriment, detrimental. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're very grateful that you <laughs> changed your <laughs> outlook or way of being, <laughs> so that you could go on this path and you know help. Help people with their achievement addictions. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Speaking of that, yeah. What specifically are you offering, or mm. how do you, how are you, yeah, helping people with with uh, with this? Yes. So I do help people who have made a decisions that mm-hmm. I don't want to be addicted to achievements, mm-hmm. and I, I facilitate a quite a deep, intensive process. That requires deep reflections, making decisions, and healing. So I, I have a program. It's a one-to-one that uh, goes over a period of up to 12 weeks, where in average, almost every week, we go through a certain step of reflections, healing, and it uses both the subconscious and the conscious mind mm-hmm. because it's a, you have to have the two. Mm. to work together and and in this program it's definitely to understand the source of the pain that creates the addiction to really understand the be- the current behavior and then to go into the pain and do a lot of the healing while learning new skills to show up differently and this requires time obviously so the 12 weeks is a kickoff, if you want, okay, with some skills that they can do that they need to continue after. Sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I must say this was really exciting for me to do because when I came out from the burnout and trying to understand all this, there was no structured process. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't have a, an issue with that because I'm the kind of person that is curious and exploring many different things, many different topics. And I, I did it for years trying to to create the to understand the puzzle pieces of this and now that i understand it and i know i'm going to evolve anyways in my understanding of the topic i can help people in a much more structured way and maybe faster Mm. way and so that was the idea sounds wonderful (laughs) thank you (laughs) so if they're interested they can get in touch and we can have a chat about it because it's important that that people understand what that means for them uh, transformation as you know julie is not always pleasant no not always easy <laughs> not always yes. easy and requires you to leave your comfort zone absolutely and yeah. and letting go some stuff that you didn't think you would need to let go but you don't do it alone in a facilitated process yeah, yeah? so yeah. that's the nice bit about it and worth it in the end right definitely I can say personally, yes. And if probably if you would have a chat with some of my clients, I think they would say the same. It they would say that it wasn't a walk in the park for sure, but it was uh, helpful to have a project manager. And I think you're an excellent project manager. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, what can we conclude? Can I just conclude this whole discussion? Absolutely. Please do. Addiction is a coping strategy to fulfill the needs coming from a place of pain that evolved to become identity. This is why it's difficult to let it go. But it can, okay, it can. So to be free from the addiction or to let go of the addiction, we need to heal the source of our core fear and core needs that wasn't met. That's the second point. So find out what is your core fear. Identify the wounds that creating these core fears. Heal them and decide how you want to show up differently in your life other than being an achievement addict. Thank you, Astuti. You're very welcome. It's been wonderful talking to you. (laughs) 